sports can be very expensive. How do you afford all this stuff for yourself personally? A lot of us are on social security and we are on a fixed income. It's just um, budgeting it. It's knowing, okay, this is how much jujitsu is going to cost me each month and making sure that I set that aside. And if something is important to you, then you're going to figure out how to do it. This is the Penny Forward Podcast, a show about blind people building bright futures one penny at a time. I'm Liz Botner. And I'm Chris Peterson. We are blind people learning what it takes to be successful in our personal, professional, and financial lives. This is a special episode of the Penny Forward Podcast prompted by a post to the Penny Forward Facebook group. Katie Shelton wondered if we could do an episode on fitness on a budget. We thought that was a great idea, and we decided to collaborate with Greg Lindbergh of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast to pull together a panel of fitness experts and enthusiasts who are all blind to talk about fitness on a budget. We recorded this on Clubhouse, and the audio quality may not always be up to our normal standards, but the content is so good that I think you're really going to enjoy it anyway. We talked about all kinds of things, including what fitness actually means, how you can be fit at home by yourself, with somebody else, at a gym, doing competitive sports, or maybe just doing exercises on your own. It's a great discussion, and I'm really looking forward to you hearing it. But first, I want to tell you about Taylor's Accessible Branding Solutions. Taylor is able to help with anything related to accessible web design, and web hosting. Visit her website at tayloraccess.com to learn more about who she is and what she does. And we'd like to thank her for hosting the website for the Penny Forward podcast as well. Now, let's get started. Greg, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about Eyes Free Sports? Hey there, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. And it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be on Penny Forward and getting to collaborate with you. So yeah, I've been hosting uh, the Eyes Free Sports Podcast for coming up on two years, believe it or not. And uh, my main focus is sports and recreation for the blind and visually impaired. Uh, So everything from, you know, tandem cycling to rowing to beat baseball, winter sports, and then of course, just any kind of fitness, you know, anything you can do from home to working out, to, you know, just a variety of of everything I like to cover. Thanks, Greg. And of course, with us is Liz Botner, our co-host and co-producer for the Penny Forward podcast. And Liz also has somewhat of a fitness background. Liz, uh, why don't you tell us about that? Hello, everyone. I am happy to be here. I do have a very kind of diverse, I should say, I guess, fitness background. I um, senior goalie of a blind ice hockey team, the Hartford Brailers. I also participate in running, both with a human guide and a tether and with my certified guiding eyes running guide dog. I've also tried things such as goalball, tandem biking, snowboarding. I will pretty much try almost anything. And I also very much enjoy walking. These days, a lot of it is inside, but I am very active with that and keeping up my step count because it's important. And my watch yells at me if I don't. So there's that. Thanks, Liz. Also with us is Riley Schmitz. And uh, I think Riley Schmitz has a lot of expertise in 
fitness and uh, just health and, and wellness in general. Riley, would you introduce yourself, please? Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Riley Schmitz, and I'm somebody whose fitness is a large part of my life. I am a, getting my master's in exercise science, and I'm also going to school to become a chiropractor. Also, my hobby is revolve around exercise a lot. I do beat baseball in the summer times, and then I also train Brazilian jiu-jitsu year-round, and just enjoy being outdoors and being active, going for things like walks, going kayaking, just stuff like that that's really fun to me. I've tried a lot of different things. I've played a little bit of goalball. I've done judo. I wrestled in high school and I'm just open to trying all sorts of physical activity. I think it's all fun and it's fun to try different things. Thanks, Riley. Mary Stores is here. Mary is a first time panelist on the Penny Forward podcast. Mary, tell us about yourself. I am Mary Stores and I am getting back into fitness again after I have a up and down relationship with fitness. It's very important. But one of the things that I can tell you about for sure is I went from 70% meat and junk food diet to 70% veggie diet. And I have even mostly managed to stick to that even now. And so my weight gain from not exercising hasn't been as bad because I do exercise some and I eat really well now. And so I can tell you about that journey and the budgetary costs and things. Thanks, Mary. And Mary has a unique background also in that she has cerebral palsy and uh, the way she does fitness may be slightly adapted, let's say. Last but not least, Moran of Radenberg, who has been on the podcast before, is back with us to talk about fitness on a budget. Marana. I am back. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me on again. So I am an athlete. I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu here, and I also am an avid gym goer and enjoy just, you know, being outside, hiking, enjoy a lot of walking, just trying to stay active throughout the day, most days of the week, all days of the week. I also am a certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist. And my background, I didn't start combat sports until after I lost my sight. I, I lost my my site when I was 25 years old. Prior to that, I would play, you know, softball and stuff and I was terrible at it. So the games like beatball and those probably are not my forte, but uh, I cheer all those of you on who enjoy them. I am a type one diabetic. So just nutrition and those are hugely important to myself. And it's just something that I really enjoy sharing with others, just trying to help people improve their, their quality of life and stuff like that. So yeah, that's me. Thanks, Marana. So a very broad range of experiences and expertise on the panel today, and uh, I want to start out with Riley at first here. Uh, when we talk about wellness, what exactly does that mean for the average person? For the average person, I would say wellness means being as healthy as you can possibly be, but also doing something that's maintainable for you. So finding a diet that you really like, not just focusing on something that's going to limit your calories or really limit certain foods that you intake. Being healthy is not just about being like physically healthy, but it's also about being emotionally and psychologically healthy as well. So it's finding something that you enjoy doing and something that's going to help you prevent yourself from having high risks of disease like heart disease and diabetes down the road by staying active and staying moving. We'll get back to our interview in just a moment, but first... 
I want to tell you really quickly about some folks at superblink.org. They are the folks that make these podcasts sound as amazing as they do. Have you ever thought about putting music or sound effects or having your podcast professionally edited? There is no other place that you need to go. Superblink.org is where to go to have it done in a way that is professional, competent, and affordable. Don't go anywhere else. Look at superblink.org for all of your audio needs. Do you have a success story you'd like to share on the air? Leave us a message at 952-856-0313. So in terms of exercise, people hear that and they think, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that. I want to kind of run away from it and not really have anything to do with it because I don't have time. But really, how much exercise does the average person need, and whether that's a few times a week or or what that would look like to stay healthy? So what I would say is the recommendations that are generally given are at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise each week. So you could split that up into three sets of 50 minutes for three times a week. My recommendation would be to be getting at least three days of exercise with that and to be making each session last, I'd say at least a half an hour. So I'm curious, uh, are there certain, you know, household goods, household items, just things around the house that, you know, we can use to exercise or even just, you know, nothing at all without having to spend any money on anything? Marana, any thoughts on that? Oh, there's all sorts of ways that we can improvise. I mean, the floor, really. I mean, there's so many different floor routines that you can do just with basic push-ups and and ab exercises and stuff. You can get a full floor workout, you know, if you have access to just the right types of exercises. And that's those are so easy to find. You can go online and look up all sorts of different floor routines and stuff, yoga, whatever you want to do. Um, there are so many free resources, like at bodybuilding.com. Um, you can go on and it'll give you different types of exercises and you can read through descriptions. Their descriptions are pretty adequate, um, especially if you had some sight in the past or if you have a history of, you know, exercise and stuff, you know what things are. But, you know, just getting somebody to show you and walk you through those if you aren't really familiar with what they're talking about is, is hugely helpful. And uh, you can make weights out of things, um, you know, if If you take empty milk jugs and you fill them with water, you know, you've got a little bit of resistance there and you can do so many different things with just those types of things. I mean, you can use PVC pipe and whatever your mind can come up with, any way to create resistance. You can use walls to do different types of push-ups and stuff. You can use a chair or a bench to do like dips or things like that. You can use them for like step-ups. You can do both resistance training and cardio training without any equipment at all. Along those lines, Mary, are there some particular things that have worked for you without any equipment at all? Yes, actually. I First, I started off with the Ice Free Fitness done by Mel Scott. All her stuff is now on YouTube and it's free. And she has everything from beginning exercises to advanced and ways to modify so that if you are just a very beginner, even a novice exerciser, you can start from the beginning and work your way up. I also discovered that even if I'm in meetings, if I can just stop and get up and move around, or if I'm cooking, if I'm stirring something in a bowl, I can also start to jog in place. 
and get more exercise that way than just standing still. What are some examples of inexpensive pieces of equipment that would be good next steps for someone who's looking to buy something but is kind of scared of a lot of the price tags of things? So there's a lot of great products out on the market. You could even get some light dumbbells at like Target or Walmart, someplace like that. You can get up to like 15 pounds and they're those little rubber ones that are really inexpensive. A great option would be some sort of fair band or resistance band because those you can adjust the tension on them by adjusting the placement of your hands on the bands as well so you have multiple different weights within one band there you can also do movements that aren't necessarily like reliant on gravity too because the resistance is coming from the band not from gravity pulling down on the weight so you can pull up on something and get resistance on it you can pull down on it and get resistance on it you and then in terms of uh, working out in a gym, I know someone who's blind or visually impaired might have some hesitation about going to the gym, just wondering how they're going to interact with the equipment, others in the gym. Uh, Marana, if you want to speak about, you know, what, how can a blind or visually impaired person get the most out of attending and going to a gym? Yeah, that's a great question. So gyms can be a very intimidating place. I mean, if you think about it, there's music playing, there are people talking, the equipment is constantly moving. Um, whenever you go up to a piece of equipment, you don't know. I mean, you can, if you can't see, if you have no vision at all, you don't know if that piece of equipment is being utilized. You know, you don't want to accidentally stick your hand in somebody's lap and have somebody feel violated or whatever. So, and, and also in, in terms of trying to get in a particular type of workout, you know, people want to work a certain group like legs or things like that. And, and just knowing where equipment is because everything's spread out. It really doesn't have any sort of rhyme or reason. And so um, it can be kind of tricky and it really depends from gym to gym. In my own experience, I have found that gyms that are owned by a local hospital or maybe some sort of a medical clinic tend to be better staffed. And so whenever you go in, oftentimes they will have somebody that maybe just just kind of keeps the bathrooms clean and, and makes sure the towels are folded and, you know, make sure that the equipment's being picked up after, because people like to leave equipment all over the place. Um, <laughs> gym goers are some of the laziest people ever. They will often have the extra staff to not help you work out, but just help you navigate the floor because that can be a really tricky place. A lot of the other gyms, you know, like 24-hour fitness, um, a lot of those that are like chain gyms, oftentimes they're not really going to have enough staff to be able to accommodate that. So, my idea for that would be to go in and just try to make the best of a workout with as little equipment as, as you know, as you need. Like, so finding a bench and some dumbbells, for instance, if you don't have the equipment at home, you go and you find a bench and some dumbbells. And there are so many different exercises, so many, I mean, you can work all parts of your body with just that bench and those dumbbells. Um, just trying to keep the space that you have to navigate it limited. Um, I also, I'm a fan of is some of the gyms will have like aerobic rooms and things like that. And they'll have different types of equipment in there going in there and just kind of learning um, your way around and finding, okay, here's, they maybe have some kettlebells and some different types of things. And just if you can, if it's possible to try to keep the, the space that you have to navigate as, as small as possible, you know, if you're brave enough to go in there and walk around and find different pieces of equipment, Hey, best of luck to you. You're, you're a much braver soul than I am because um, I haven't quite learned that trick, but hopefully as technology, 
technology and stuff comes along and, you know, they have like different beacons and stuff like that. I know some gyms are actually starting to use those in. Hopefully that'll, that'll help out and stuff. But another thing on like Facebook and those types of places, they have groups like finding partners for like running groups, finding things like that. There's a lot of people out there willing to help and stuff, but you really got to, it's a matter of putting yourself out there and just kind of seeing um, what is available to you. So let's talk real quick before we start to bring in people from the audience that might have questions or comments about the affordability of sports, because sports can be very expensive. If you're playing on a team like a beatball team, you might have traveling involved in, in order to be participating in it. And, and I imagine that the same thing is true with other things like running or jujitsu. You know, you've got uh, equipment and, and uh, travel costs and and uh, maybe transportation costs and all kinds of other costs rolled into this. I'm going to throw this out to everybody and uh, let's just try not to run into each other too hard. How do you afford all this stuff for yourself personally? So I'll start. I mean, obviously, a lot of us are on Social Security and we are on a fixed income. And for me, it's just um, budgeting it. It's knowing, okay, this is how much jujitsu is going to cost me each month and making sure that I set that aside. And it's paying attention to things like going out and getting coffee all the time is expensive. If something is important to you, then you're going to figure out how to do it. Yeah, very true. It's all about priorities. Uh, what, are, what are some other thoughts? about affordability of this stuff another thing that you can do is for beatball for example you know there's opportunities out there like the challenge athletes foundation and then you can also approach your local lions clubs and see if there's any sort of fundraisers or promotions you can do through them to try and raise money and awareness for the sports that you're participating in yeah, thanks, Riley. Those are good suggestions, too. Anything else? It might be helpful to kind of figure out how much you think you might want to spend on a sport. A friend of mine mentioned to me about blind hockey and specifically about being a goalie, which I absolutely fell in love with. He did not tell me that being a goalie is probably the most expensive player on the team. So that is something that I've had to get used to when other people's Equipment may be a little bit less expensive and I have to pay more, which part of me is like, um, you need me. I'm a goalie. Why is my stuff more expensive? Um, but if you're going to play a sport, when you get hooked up with the club or the team that you're on, that you're going to be playing with, ask members of that team or that, that sports club or the gym if you're going to a gym. Because maybe someone either has or knows of someone who has donated equipment that you could use to get started because you don't necessarily want to buy equipment, you may not want to buy equipment, rightfully so, if you don't really know what you're doing or if you would even like it. So those are options as well. One of the things that I noticed being on a team is that when I first started with Beat Baseball in particular, people gave me stuff that they weren't using anymore. They gave me pads, they gave me blindfolds, they uh, gave me extra balls that I could practice with. Uh, and if they didn't give me stuff, people were more than happy to lend me things like bats or uh, other types of equipment so that I could practice. Greg, has that been your experience as well? Definitely. Yeah. And I know like we've talked about, you know, several times here, just the camaraderie, the the community, uh, you know, in terms of athletes or, you know, go-getters, shall we say, with disabilities, if you just ask or sometimes you don't even have to ask and someone will just offer and say, hey, you know, do you want to borrow this? Do you want to have this for now? 
Um, there, there are a lot of supportive people out there. And even in terms of, say, used equipment, I mean, you can find some pretty decent used equipment, you know, whether it's specifically exercise equipment or something to enable you to, to play a sport um, that's still in, in pretty decent shape. And for example, I use a, it's a Schwinn uh, exercise bike that's got to be 30 years old that my grandma used back in the day. And uh, it's, I find it to be more accessible than a lot of the, the more current stuff that has touch screens and whatnot. We'll continue our interview in a moment. But first... Are you interested in investing, but the jargon has you completely lost? When you're in an unfamiliar financial environment and need a hand understanding the lay of the land, Penny Forward is here to help. We provide affordable one-on-one and group financial education programs that give you the confidence to get out there and achieve your goals. Visit pennyforward.com to learn more about who we are and what we do. Do you have a tip or trick you've discovered that makes managing your finances easier? Tell us about it at 952-856-0313. If you missed that number, you can always find us at pennyforward.com slash podcast. I think at this point, uh, I'd like to see if there are any uh, members of the audience that would like to come up and ask any questions of the panel or, or make any comments themselves. Catherine has had her hand raised the, t- the whole time. So we have Kat, then we also have Julie. So welcome to both of you. I wanted to kind of give my introduction in regards to the sports that I've done and kind of give a funny story because I actually wore was as uh, hockey gear once and I don't know how she wears that stuff. Anyway, better her than me. For <laughs> just for anyone who does not know, which may be a lot of you, Catherine and I are sisters, so... Don't be alarmed. Yeah, that <laughs> comment. So the sports that I've played, well, I've probably played sports since I was, what, six, ranging from T-ball, from, um, we, Liz and I played on a league with many different various people with disabilities. I was also on a volleyball league in Delaware, which sadly it folded. I was the vice president and then president. I played goalball for oh geez maybe three years I actually scored the winning goal for our team to win bronze in 2010's nationals in Delaware so hey go me um (laughs) sadly unfortunately there are no opportunities for me to play sports in Delaware because everything has basically folded and there is no girls team for the blind sports organization in philadelphia i think the nearest team would be in dc so i think the only exercise i get would be going to and from work so it is very sad i know but at least i get out of the house and i walk around so thank you Catherine. and again you know as we kind of covered earlier that doesn't mean that you can't be healthy. And in fact, uh, a lot of my uh, exercise when I lived in smaller towns was I would uh, get off at a bus stop that was just a little bit further away from home than I needed to get off at so that I could walk a little bit of extra longer. 
I don't think you need to feel guilty or anything like that, but it is sad that that's an opportunity that's not as readily available to some of us as it is to others. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that that we're able to even that out over time. Uh, Julie, welcome. Thank you. Um, some of you probably know me from before. I'm Julie Klein. I go by Julie Rock 40. I'm in a kind of a smaller area. A lot of things have changed for me because of complications with COVID and work schedule, whatever. But anyway, a lot of my question was, do you guys have any resources for people who have like maybe known diagnosed foot issues. I used to do fitness walking and that's gotten really hard for me over the last year. Plus I've been diagnosed with plantar fasciitis by a doctor. And so walking sometimes can be very hard for me. If you guys aren't familiar with that, maybe you are. Do you know if like any resources that might make that a little bit easier? I'm going to pass that one over to Riley because I think he might uh, have the best chance at uh, at being able to help you out. Yeah, so some good sources that you could go to if there's either um, chiropractic is really good for that and then also PT could really help you out with that. So if you could find a local chiropractor or physical therapist in your area, they would be really good for helping that out. Other things that you can do just personally on the side to kind of help out with that issue are plantar fasciitis does tend to be worse in the morning and kind of get better in the evening. So plan your exercise and daily activities around that. Maybe plan on taking your walks in the evening as opposed to the morning so you are able to tolerate a little bit more of that. And then other things that you can do, if you have like a lacrosse ball or something at home that you can kind of roll on your plantar fascia just to try to like break up the adhesions and kind of stretch that area out on your own. That would be really good for it. And also doing it. If you just sit and watching TV, you can even do like a little massaging to the area and that can be good for it as well. Yeah. I've, I've tried the ball. I have a splint. Sometimes if it gets like really bad at night, I can, use that. Um, I've tried some arch supports. I've had moderate success with those. Um, It's just, but it has made things a lot more, you know, it's like, I used to be able to exercise, walk for long periods of time. And now it's like to even walk from one room to the bathroom can just be excruciating. (laughs) So my recommendation would be to get into one of the providers that I mentioned, and I think they can really help you get started going with that. Otherwise, just kind of doing what you can as you can. Don't stop moving is going to be probably the most important advice that I can give you. Oh, thank you. And, and Julie, um, I have had plantar fasciitis before, and uh, it is really painful, and, and I uh, I definitely empathize with that. Something that a doctor recommended for me that helped, you know, honestly, it took a long time for it to get better for me. So I, uh, you know, I'm not saying that anything's a silver bullet here, but uh, I put a bottle of water in the freezer and let it freeze solid. And then I put that on the bottom of my foot and rolled it around like the lacrosse ball. So you got like this ice pack made out of of the water bottle, having that like cold ice pack massaging your foot. That did help me. Um, it took a number of months. So, you know, it, it wasn't easy. And again, I empathize with you. And Miranda, I wonder if you have any ideas ab- about uh, Julie's plantar fasciitis. 
You know, I think everything's been covered. I would just say that apart from walking, you know, there are so many exercises that can be done on the floor. I know I struggle with orthostatic hypotension. And so a lot of times, you know, standing up in those things, my blood pressure will drop. So there's a lot of times that I do a workout just on the floor with different ab exercises and stuff. And and even just like you you get some dumbbells and, and you know, you can do eight sets of eight reps. And if you do it a little bit more rapidly, you know, um, you do get kind of a cardio workout in there too. So my suggestion would just be that on the days that you're hurting too bad, on the days that you can't find anything to fix it, just get down on the floor and, and just try to move in whatever way that you're able to, um, you know, like with stability balls or, or weights or bands or, or whatever you can find to use that can help you get in like some resistance, some training and stuff like that. And, and even with cardio, I mean, that's what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is. I'm telling you that the cardio that you get rolling around in the floor is unlike anything else. You know, it's, it's so amazing. So I know it stinks to not be able to walk and do the things that you enjoy, but I would just start while you're waiting for that to heal up, while you're waiting to get look to get better, just do whatever you can do to, to maintain strength and, and stuff while, you know, and, and doing that just in different ways. Mary or Liz, are there any other uh, people in the audience that have raised their hands and, and would like to come up and, and uh, ask a question or make a comment? Kelly raised her hand. Did you want to say something, Kelly? I was just going to speak to the plantar fasciitis. I'm a nurse and I used to work in foot and ankle surgery. And I'm not sure if it was recommended, but the providers that I worked with would always recommend orthotics. Um, You can buy those over the counter, fairly cheap. They would recommend super feet orthotics. You can get those at sporting goods stores like Dick's Sporting Goods and things like that. Or you could always go and see a podiatrist or a foot and ankle surgeon and and see if if your insurance would cover prescription orthotics as well. Kelly is also my wife, and uh, she got me a pair of super feet. They come in different colors, blue and green, and I don't know what else. But uh, she she got me a pair when I was having uh, really bad plantar fasciitis, and and they helped a lot. So uh, and they're not real expensive. They're also not real cheap. They're about I want to say about fifty bucks. But they worked for me a lot better than I at one point had spent uh, $400 on orthotics from the Good Feet store and uh, never going to do that again because they didn't work. But the Super Feet's really, uh, really helped out a lot. Any other uh, comments or questions from the audience at this point? I don't see any more hands raised. Thanks, Mary. All right. I just was going to remind people that very, very basic fitness equipment that we've used all of our lives. It's, I'm going out and jumping rope. You can buy a jump rope for five bucks. You know, they're super cheap. And so if we're looking at fitness on a budget, just thinking old school, going back to the days of just jump ropes and things that, that we can do outside and, and, you know, whatever it's, I mean, it's all just great exercise. So there's so many different ways, jumping jacks, anything. Think back to your old gym class, to PE class. And, and I mean, that's not going to cost you anything. Also, another tidbit of knowledge, reach out to organizations such as the United States Association of Blind Athletes. Uh, there's another organization called Move United. There's uh, Achilles International is the adaptive running group that I am a part of. And these organizations are out there. They're out there to help anyone with a disability compete in any type of sport, be that competitively or even recreationally. So they will have ideas. You could also check with any local universities if you happen to live in a college town. I have a friend who teaches a class on getting people with disabilities to start moving. 
in physical therapy and other exercises. I have had many offers because I have a connection with her of people who have just offered to walk with me or do whatever. And that helps especially at night because a lot of times if I get off work this time of year at around seven, the sun is set. And I don't want to be a woman alone outside on a trail at night. It just, there's been so many sexual assaults and things reported. So it does help to have a buddy. And I, I still have pepper spray and my Apple Watch and things too. So that also helps, but it also just helps to safety in numbers. I would also say that for the people that are deciding to join New Gym and are kind of worried about it too, just reach out to the staff. Reach out to any of the personal training staff. I'm sure that they would be willing to spend 15, 20 minutes just showing you around the gym, showing you how anything works. I've worked at a few different gyms and I have been more than willing to help anybody else. And so have the people that I've worked with learn how to use equipment and be able to use it safely and properly. Greg, your last words? Yeah, I think everyone has said it very well, but, you know, just to kind of tie it into the whole fitness on a budget thing, I mean, I feel like there's there's a budget, you know, there's there's something for everyone, no matter your budget, there's something you can do, whether it's alone, whether it's with a partner, whether it's traveling to the Paralympic Games or some kind of tournament or whatnot, um, there's there's something out there for everyone. It's just, you know, finding and identifying what's what's for you. Awesome. Well, I want to thank all of the panelists for being here. And uh, before we go, if you are unfamiliar with the Penny Forward podcast, I would really love it if you would check it out. And so would Liz. The website is pennyforward.com. And there are uh, episodes going back to the beginning of the year and also full text transcripts. So if you prefer to read rather than listen, or you know somebody who needs to read rather than listen, um, this can be accessible to them also. And this was a collaboration with uh, Greg and the Eyes Free Sports podcast. And and Greg, uh, why don't you tell us about Eyes Free Sports and uh, where people can listen? Uh, Sure. Again, appreciate the opportunity to collaborate with you here, Chris, on Penny Forward. Um, So once again, Eyes Free Sports is on Sports and Recreation for the Blind and Visually Impaired, covering all types of sports and recreational activities. And if you just go to eyesfreesports.com, that's E-Y-E-S-F-R-E-E sports.com, you can hear all the episodes there. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and uh, use your Amazon uh, device to play the Eyes Free Sports podcast. All right. Well, thanks to everybody who participated in the panel. Thanks to everybody that was in the audience uh, listening along to this. Again, thank you for being here and uh, have a good weekend. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoy the Penny Forward podcast, please rate, review, and share it with your friends. We're supported by your donations. Please help us to continue producing Penny Forward by following the tip jar link in the show notes or by visiting pennyforward.com. The Penny Forward podcast is produced by Liz Botner and Chris Peterson. Audio editing and post-production is provided by Byron Lee, and transcription is provided by Anne Verdine. Music was composed and performed by Andre Louis, and web hosting is provided by Taylor's Accessibility Services. Penny Forward is a community of blind people building bright futures one penny at a time. 
Visit pennyforward.com slash about to learn more about who we are and what we do. Until next time, for all of us in the Penny Forward community, I'm Chris Peterson. And I'm Liz Botner. Thanks for listening and have a great week.